it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 trillion to decarbonize the built environment. There's no other industry in the world that has as much at stake in terms of risk than the built environment, from physical risk and financial risk. So, you know, if you look at prop tech and you say, well, it's a $20 billion annual uh, venture invested category, climate tech is gonna be multiple, multiple, multiples of that. Building owners have a pretty big burden to carry. That's because the built environment is responsible for 40% of the world's carbon emissions. And what was once a moral imperative has now become a legal imperative too, because in many jurisdictions around the world, there are new laws in place enforcing owners to make their buildings greener. This desperate need is a gold rush for PropTech, according to Michael Beckerman, the CEO of Cretech, who is my guest on BizNow Reports today. Cretech bills itself as the largest global conference, media and consulting company devoted to tech innovation in the built world. But while it might be a gold rush, it is coming at a time where owners, particularly in the office world, are tightening their belts. And according to Michael, it couldn't be a worse time to be a startup in prop tech out there raising money. We're speaking to him about where the big opportunities are though, where the pain could be, his hopes for a more inclusive industry and his advice for prop tech founders who are just starting out. Most industries invest, reinvest in their businesses in R&D, somewhere in the neighborhood of about 5%. Real estate industry is less than one. And then you have this just extraordinary merging tech ecosystem, 10,000 startups last time I looked. And he got them all competing for what is still relatively small market share. So when I get asked the question, like, what's happening in the, in the prop tech ecosystem, my first reaction is, well, uh, adoption is still a big challenge. It's not a mature market. It's a very immature, fragile market. What we're looking for, though, to drive adoption is external drivers. That, that's what's going to drive uh, adoption. External. What does that mean? That means tenants have to want it, government has to demand it, banks, regulators, underwriters have to be uh, also mandating it. And then you've got internal drivers. So, you know, uh, com- real estate companies are, are particularly in office, are, are struggling with demand. They're struggling with supply chain issues, labor shortages, uh, interest rates, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's less about, you know, where we are in the marketplace today, uh, funding uh, up or down, as it is, we are definitely in a market, Miriam, today that is seeing external drivers, both on cost savings and efficiencies, uh, on tenant demand, and on sustainability that are forcing adoption of technology and innovation. So. Yes, I think we're going to we're entering a period of uh, some pretty um, substantial and measurable progress in the world of prop tech. The thing is, though, when you talk about prop tech, a lot of it has happened in office buildings. That's where you see a lot of the activity. But office is where there's an enormous amount of pain right now. So I'm wondering if there's going to be a ripple effect onto these companies. Great question. I mean, for I I think where there is financial bottom line pressure on on any kind of company, where there is market demand on any kind of company, any kind of industry, you see technology as the benefactor there. So 
I do think more and more real estate companies are looking at tech and going, how do I save costs? Yeah, I mean, headcounts are going down for sure. So the people, companies are looking at uh, efficiency and they're turning to technology to try and drive efficiency on the bottom line. They're also looking at tech as a way to attract tenants because tenants today, particularly in office, they are placing sustainability and tenant experience and many, many other um, uh, categories above all else. So when tenants are demanding these types of experiences, the real estate industry is going to react to it and respond. That's why I'm hopeful, actually, in this environment. It's pain. There's a lot of pain. But I am hopeful that adoption will increase for all those sort of uh, internal and external drivers. The concern would be, though, when money isn't flowing and, and belts are tightening, you're probably not spending that much on innovation. Right, You might be spending money on, oh, here's a great solution for a cost-saving measure or here's a great solution to get help us with a, with a, uh, like a law that's being put in place, like Local Law 97 in New York. But in terms of funding and thinking long-term, I mean, is there a, is there a threat that, that that might be where money is curtailed? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's a great question. I think there's always that kind of threat. The, the, the economy is going to impact everybody in different ways across the board. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be a fool to suggest that there's not pain in the, in the marketplace. There is, right? Uh, but I think what the message to the sort of prop tech uh, ecosystem is, hey, you can't be a nice-to-have in this environment. You've got to be a must-have, and you've got to – you got to position yourselves in whatever that product category is, whether it's construction or property management or data or tenant experience or sustainability, as that this is a must spend for your organization and here's why. So more than ever, you know, the three letters that everybody's talking about as relates to technology and innovation, ROI. And uh, if they can prove the value proposition, they'll get a good luck. And I do think they'll get, uh, you know, Serious consideration of being adopted and within their customer base. Absolutely, though. You know, to call it to call out the elephant in the room is, yeah, venture funding is way down. There's a lot of dry powder sitting on the sidelines. So, you know, if you're a startup that has been relying on fundraising as your business model, uh, and I don't mean to be flippant, you know, this is probably the worst time to be a startup if you don't have a path to revenue and profitability. If you're dependent upon fundraising, which is not a business, but I understand it takes a while for these companies to get in a position where they're generating revenue for all the reasons we talked about. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely pain in the marketplace. There's no doubt about it. The flip side of it is why I'm always a half, a glass half full kind of fella, is that we're seeing consolidation in the space. And that's a good thing for the real estate industry. Because what they have been saying, Mary, from 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 you know from the beginning is we need fewer, more substantial more integrated solutions to make it easier on us to adopt. So we can't, as a real estate company, adopt 25 different siloed solutions. We don't have the resources. It's inefficient. It's ineffective. It's not cost effective. But if you can integrate and you could give a, if we can have five solutions that do multiple things for us, you've got our attention. And that's what we hear time and time and time and time again from the real estate industry as, the, as they're communicating to the tech sector. 
Because I was at Cretech in New York in 2021, and there were thousands of, you know, all these prop tech firms and all these booths. I'm wondering, like, what's happened to a lot of these people? Have they been wiped out? Are they on the brink of being wiped out? I mean, compare then to now, a different time. It's a different time. Uh, you know, I think it's it's honestly, and I, I don't mean to be, uh, to minimize anybody else's suffering in terms of their business, but it's a it's probably a healthy um, uh, maturation of the ecosystem because, you know, the thing about tech is that it's probably never been easier in history to create a startup. You know, you've got the cloud, you can build a lot of the tools that we're talking about are, 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 are SaaS products. Um, they're not hardware. They should be. I'm hoping we get more hardware products on the in the industry, but it's not, it's not, I don't want to minimize it. It's not that hard to create a startup today um, and get it out of the ground. Like it used to be much harder. So you've got this proliferation of just incredible amount of startups. So yeah, they're not all going to survive. There definitely is uh, some attrition in the industry, but then there's also every day I'm getting new innovative startups knocking on my Cretech front door going, we want in and here's what we got. So I'm very, very encouraged. And I'll also say that a lot of what we're talking about has been prop tech, uh, Miriam, but the climate tech part of this industry, I have no doubt that in five, 10 years, it'll be, it'll be a hundred X on, on the prop tech scene in terms of scale because of the scale of what the industry has to do forced adoption of these tools to meet local laws like local law 97 in New York, what's happening in Europe. It's all over the world now in terms of legislation to meet tenant demands. It's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 trillion to decarbonize the built environment. There's no other industry in the world that has that much at stake in terms of risk than the built environment from physical risk and financial risk. So, you know, if you look at prop tech and you say, well, it's a $20 billion annual uh, venture invested category, climate tech is going to be multiple, multiple, multiples of that. It's going to take a while, but it's, it's going to be the, in my humble opinion, I think that's the big one. Are you seeing corporate spending on climate prop tech, as you would call it, hold steady or is the market um, downturn taking its toll yet? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, everybody, whether they're a real estate company, they're a tenant, uh, uh, everybody's, you know, watching their wallet right now. So I think spending is being incredibly scrutinized across the board. So that's why I said, if it's a must have, uh, I think you're still going to get attention, if not even more today. But you better make sure that this is something that's going to deliver value to the bottom line of whoever you're talking to, an occupier, a tenant, or a, uh, a real estate owner, uh, investor, developer. Are there any companies that are directly approaching laws like Local Law 97 that are looking at the, the need for these buildings to be um, compliant and creating solutions? And what is doing well? Because it feels like it's a massive information out there. There's a lot of people saying we're not going to be compliant. We're not going to meet. We're just going to pay the fines. I mean, what is kind of working here? What sorts of companies are actually providing a solution that is actually going to make a difference? Well, let's just again, let's let's frame it. OK, if you don't mind. Forty percent of all carbon emissions are coming from the built environment. 
Okay, 29% on the operating of these buildings, 11% on embodied carbon, which is the, the more of the construction related. It's the single, as an industry, the single greatest source of greenhouse gas emissions in the world. I'm not shaming the industry. A lot of these costs and controls are also uh, emanating from the tenants and the occupiers themselves. So let's not, let's not shame the industry. But you, you, you mentioned local law 97. There's laws on the books, whether it's Boston and uh, in, in, in the UK, everywhere. There is most progressive, um, and I mean that you know in a good way because I know I don't want to get into too much political labeling. But you know most cities, and if you look at an organization like C40, which is and many many others that are focused on building resilient cities of the future. These, these cities are all leaning in on legislation and incentives for the real estate industry to decarbonize. So that's why I say the climate crisis is the single greatest threat, and it's the single greatest opportunity to ever face this industry. So when you think about threats, you think about the local law 97. I got financial risk. You think about underwriting your buildings that you can't now because your lender's not lending to dirty you know, buildings. You think about... Uh, physical risk, the amount of cities that are at risk in 5, 10, 15, 20 years from storms, flooding, fire, drought, uh, you name it. I mean, that's real physical risk. So $20 trillion to decarbonize the existing building stock, $100 trillion to build resiliency into the, into the built environment. Now, this is where I get hopeful, though, and I'm going to name drop, all right? Tishman Spire. Empire State Realty Trust, Vornado, Boston Properties, uh, Hudson Pacific, Brandywine. Uh, I, I'm, I know I'm missing a lot. And then you go to Europe and you look at Grosvenor, you look at British Lands, you look at there are these real estate companies are investing in tools today very aggressively to help them either meet uh, the legislation that's potentially imposing fines to also be better stewards of the communities in which they're owning and operating buildings. And so, yeah, there, there is great adoption taking place on the climate front, whether it's managing and measuring the carbon emissions emanating from these buildings, whether it's on the material side, on things like concrete and steel, you're starting to see, and, and you, you all have done a great job of reporting about it, you're going to start to see this proliferation of mass timber buildings being built. you got to realize also, you start to talk about the scale of the problem. The Internet, right? The Internet all time is a trillion-dollar industry. So we're talking about an Internet every year for the next 20 years. And the industry has only spent... I don't know. I mean, I, uh, rounding error, a couple hundred million to date, all time, on climate solutions. So th th there is a absolute gold rush coming, uh, and and you you know you look at some of the funds that are focused on it now. I mean, there's an absolute gold rush coming on the climate front in the built environment globally. Now, let me just say one other thing: Europe is ahead of the U.S. here. How did that happen? Part part of its culture. You know, it, it is a cultural thing in Europe, and much more so here. I'm just saying, it is. I spent a lot of time in Europe. You know, we've got our big conference there, and coming up in May, um, and uh, I'm talking to all the landlords and all the 
startups, and, all, and this is all they talk about. I mean, you have every CEO that's going to be speaking at Cretech uh, in London, the biggest real estate companies in the world, and you find out what the CEO wants to talk about, sustainability. It's just part of the DNA in other parts of the world. It's not here yet. So culture, one. Two is more aggressive legislation that, you're, that you see throughout Europe. Very, very aggressive. So I think, uh, you know, you take those factors and it's driving adoption on the tech front, uh, on the climate tech front. Now, in the U.S., I will say this, though, and I'll piss off my friends in Europe. The U.S. will probably win that race <laughs> in terms of technology. <laughs> And that's because, you know, as soon as we smell the capitalist, you know, scent, we're going to get after it like there's no, I mean, you just know that the amount of money and, and from venture and the startup scene in the U.S. Is, is unlike any other in the world. And so once they sense, oh, my goodness, there's money to be made here, uh, I, the U.S. is going to catch up and, and, and you know. And, and move ahead, I believe, uh, from the innovation side. The adoption side's still a problem. I mean, that, that's what I work on every day. That's why, you know, uh, that's, you know, I mean, I'm the, you know, I, I got a big audience and a big, not as big as biz now, but a big audience and a bully pulpit, and I'm going to use it to, to shout everywhere I can about the climate um, opportunity, as I see it. The, the money, the money's already coming in, but the adoption will really scale when the real estate industry sees the market opportunity, you know it's fact, and you've covered this. Clean, green buildings command higher rents in the marketplace and higher sales prices. You've written about the flight to quality in this marketplace, right? And it's not just climate, but it's, it's all the tech bells and whistles. That's what is driving uh, demand today, and that's not going away. So AI has really been a big conversation in tech. Everyone's really talking about chat GPT. What do you think its application towards commercial real estate would be? I mean, are there any companies that are already using it? Um, I think it's too early. I think you're going to see it more on the residential side before the commercial side um, for a lot of reasons. I think it helps uh, with marketing and I think it helps with sales. Uh, but I think, again, you're talking about a commercial that is industry, commercial real estate, that is a laggard in terms of adoption. So I, 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 think, it's, I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. I think it's got great potential. But if prop tech is in the you know, top of the second inning, uh, chat GPT is uh, you know, not even at the plate yet. Uh, but I think long term, it's got some real interesting applications. What about just companies generally with AI in uh, commercial real estate? Are there any that you think will have a big impact in, in the coming years? Yes, um, I, th I think you're seeing it. I think you're seeing some great companies uh, using AI and ML. I think the, the, the data component of real estate um, is one of those categories that I think at the end of the day will be a massive subcategory within prop tech, right? If you listen to the world's most sophisticated investors, they're leaning in hard on, on, on data and using AI and ML to inform their uh, investment and uh, disposition decisions. And we've had them at the shows. I'm not going to call on any names, but, you know, they've, they've come to our conferences and, 
you could guess who the names are and you know they're building and utilizing data in in ways that i think the rest of the industry is going to play catch up at some point because it's going to be a competitive advantage so I, i really do think that it's a secret sauce in a lot a lot of areas that you know if you look at data you're really yeah, I mean, we, we, we went from an industry, commercial real estate, to looking at historical data. Now you're getting real-time data. But what about actionable data? What about real, you know, actionable insights and bringing in thousands of disparate data to be able to help real estate companies make decisions on their, the way they operate buildings or the way that they, you know, buy and sell real estate? I mean, I think that is one of those legacy um, in, in trends that's going to be here forever. Um, you look at the big companies, whether it's CoStar and many, many others. I mean, the biggest companies in, the, in terms of the technology space are data providers. And I think we are witnessing the emergence of a, a lot of very, very formidable companies that are being built around sort of data in, in a lot of different categories. That's not a trend. Uh, that's not like a trendy thing. That's, that's forever. Just talking about trends. I mean, if we were chatting this time last year, we'd be talking about at length on the metaverse. Do you think the metaverse booms officially over and done with? Um, no, I don't. I don't think it's done with. But uh, you know, I, I look at at um, ideas and 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 solutions like the metaverse and, and ChatGPT as you know, very sort of futuristic in our industry, because I'm the guy that's like on the ground every day, just trying to help the industry adopt what they can adopt. And so I, I think, yeah, I think, uh, you know, let's talk five years from today. And I think you'll see some wildly creative applications from a, a marketing point of view, from a leasing point of view, from a um, a branding point of view. I think there's some some really exciting things that are going to be done in retail, and you're seeing some of it with with um, Jamestown's doing in Times Square. I mean, I think there's some wonderful stuff. I think it's an outlier at this stage. Um, you know, uh, whether uh, you know investing in virtual land is is a real thing or not. I, I'm not smart enough to know that. But in terms of an application in the industry, yeah, I I, I, th- I think the, the one day. Let's talk in five years. And, and see how much progress has been made, but not today, not on my radar. I was at a um, construction event, a BizNow construction event the other day, and, and people were saying it's, it takes the same amount of time to build a building as it did 50 years ago. There, <laughs> and so it's kind of hard to imagine talking about the metaverse when we have this very major problem on our hands right now. And that's where I come out. So where I come out is it's, it's cool, it's fun, we could spend an hour just talking about it, but you know, I'm at the stage in my life and my career where I want to make shit happen and I want to have an impact. Uh, that's everything that guides me every day is are you having an impact on somebody or something? And right now there are so many effing problems in the built environment that we need to focus on and fix through technology. That's, that's sort of my mantra. Um, that, you know, anything that's too far out there, that's not making an immediate impact. That's cool. It's not getting my attention, and I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get some angry uh, emails and what have you, and some comments. But we got to fix construction problems, massive problems, massive inefficiency in construction. I mean, extraordinary. As you said, we're still building buildings pretty much the way they've been building them since the 1950s. What's changed? And we got to focus on that. There's tons 
of great solutions, whether it's labor or material, um, uh, 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 if, uh, just, you know, whether it's vendor procurement. I mean, there's so much to be done on the construction side. You look at the, um, the sustainability side. I mean, we've got to decarbonize, you know, the building stock throughout the world. I mean, that's a real problem. I take it really serious. I believe in the science, absolutely. And I'm personally passionate about it. So let's go fix that problem because that's an existential problem. So I, I don't mean to poo-poo somebody that's working on some cool shit, but my, my mind goes back to fixing shit that's broken right now. Speaking of things that are broken, crypto, another big buzzword that many were pushing towards in real estate, um, although it really does seem like the headlines these days are about investigations and lawsuits and, and missing money. Was, this some, was that something that you followed or something that you thought would have an impact? No. <laughs> You're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head. No, I mean, I think, I think there's something to be said about a couple of themes that you could also expand that question to, Miriam. Like, you know, is blockchain real? Yes. The blockchain is a real tool that will be used in a variety of ways um, going forward. You know, I think it's a it's just an extraordinarily smart Excel uh, 2.0 of how we can create great transparency and efficiency using the blockchain for a lot of application. I think fractionalization in terms of real estate is a real thing. I think that giving you know the the consumers, uh, small investors, access to buy real estate. Uh, is, a, is a real thing. I think crowdfunding is a real thing. Um, where blockchain, I mean, where crypto fits into all of that, not really on my radar. You know, what gets my attention is, you know, innovation that creates impact and change. So if you can create a more efficient building, if you can create a better customer experience, customer being the tenants and the employees and buildings of the residents, if you can eliminate waste in construction, if you can create, uh, if you can use technology to create more affordable uh, workplace housing, that's a good thing. If you can um, democratize investing, that's a good thing. Uh, you know, if, if we can decarbonize the industry, that's a good thing. So th those are the things that really get my, my attention uh, most. Um, as I said, I, I'm just looking to have an impact as many ways as I can on an industry that I love and I'm incredibly passionate about, the real estate industry, my whole career. I just think that technology can have a, a really profound impact in many, 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 many ways. That's Michael Beckerman. He's the CEO of Cretech. My name's Miriam Hall. Thanks for listening.